Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. How much does this world owe righteous, godly people? How many times have families and communities been saved because of a righteous man or a righteous woman who lives for God and has interceded. Or God has spared a community because they were righteous people walking with God. Beloved, we are the salt. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. Our prayers are literally altering history. The things which we ask God are heard. Pastor Ed tells us today that even when things are going badly in the world, that it's because of our prayers that they aren't going much worse. God is listening to us and He is interceding on the things which we ask Him to intercede. In understanding the relevance of prayer, we need to find that it is something we should consistently strive to take part in. As much as we talk with our loved ones, we should talk with God too. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message. Building in faith If you fail to reverence God there's a high likelihood that your children will never reverence you. I think of Eli, the high priest of Israel, in the book of 1 Samuel. He was both a priest and a judge in Israel. He failed to honor, to reverence God, and he treated his own children with deference in the sense that He didn't rebuke them in the way they needed to be rebuked as they sinned. And because of Hophni and Phinehas' sin in the household of God, God brought judgment on that house. God brought judgment on Israel. God brought judgment on Eli. His own sons disrespected him and God. We have a responsibility to teach our children the things of God. Don't make the mistake and say, listen, I'm going to let them just grow up and make their own choices. They'll make the right decision. It's their decision to make whatever church, wherever they want to go. No, 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 a thousand times. No, we are called to instruct our children, to nurture them in the faith, to teach them the ways of God. They're just not going to happen on their own. Uh, Listen to what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah. Amen. In Jeremiah 10, 23, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. We need to give our children a lamp unto their feet, which would be a light unto their way. We need to give them the compass of God's word to guide them to the true north. We need to instruct them in God's righteousness. And God said, I'm chosen Abraham. I'm going to bless him because I know he's going to take that responsibility seriously. Abraham was to show them how to walk before God. So we see in this intimacy with God, this relationship that Abraham had, he was a friend of God. We see that this relationship with God was such a powerful relationship because it 
bore responsibility. He was, had a covenant relationship with God and he had responsibility, a responsibility to the nations, a responsibility to his culture, a responsibility to his children. And God said, I'm going to speak to him. But there's something else. There's a revelation. In verses 18 to 20, it says, Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I'll go down and see what, if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Uh, look carefully at those verses. They tell us that God went down and examined things to see if it were so. See, God does not arbitrarily judge nations or people. It's not in a moment of anger, in a burst of anger. God contemplates, examines. He knows for a fact the condition of all nations and people in the hearts of men and women. And so he judges righteously and rightly. And God says to Abram, I'm going to judge and I'm going to see if this is so. Notice what the text says, the outcry. Up in heaven, they heard something. It wasn't just the music. It wasn't just the loud noise of the city streets. No, it was something more that they heard up in heaven that God heard. It was the sin of people crying out for judgment. The outcry came up to God's ears. I think of Ezekiel, where Ezekiel says, Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. They were haughty. They did detestable things before me. Therefore I did away with them, as you have seen. Their sin was not only in morality and decadence, but their sin was injustice. They were cruel to people. They did not care about the poor and the needy. They turned the other way when there were needs and concerns. There was oppression. In the Bible, it says that when Cain killed Abel, Abel's blood spilt into the ground. And God makes this comment. He says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. In the New Testament, James, our Lord's brother, who wrote the book of James, says this. In James chapter 5, verse 4, it says, Look, the wages you failed to pay, the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. There was unjust injustice. Our sins, we may silence our conscience, but they continue to cry out to God for judgment. We may block our ears and close our eyes and try our best to ignore the reality of the sins that we've committed and that our world has committed, but nevertheless, they will cry out to God, calling forth for God's judgment to come down. Our city streets, where people are caught in the terrible cycle of welfare, unable to get out, unable to get a future for themselves. I think about... How in America we spend more money on pet food than we do in feeding the hungry around the world. And night after night, children go to sleep with empty stomachs, starving. I think about women caught in the cycle of prostitution being used by men. 
and the pornography industry and the abortion, all of those little children that have their life snuffed out even before they had an opportunity to breathe or see this world. It's all crying out to God for judgment. See, God hears. He knows. But God has called you and I to stand, as it were, on the walls, praying and interceding, standing in the gap in prayer. It has been said, and if you often read books on prayer, there's a consistency when they talk about prayer. They often say the highest calling of the believer is a ministry of intercession. Prayer is not to be used as a strategy on just occasions, in just times of emergency. No, prayer is the home of the soul. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. Your soul's home is the place of intercession, is the place of prayer. God calls us to stand in that place, to stand as interceders, to pray for others. And that's what God is calling Abraham to do. Note his prayer, his intercession. In verses 22 to 32. Now, it was Oswald Chambers who said, Prayer does not fit us for the greater works. Prayer is the greater work. God calls us to the ministry of intercession. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, offered himself a sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And when he went to heaven, he continued the ministry that he had on earth, the ministry of intercession. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints. He's been interceding for us. He asks us to come alongside of him and join with him, as it were, in prayer. Will you heed the call? Will you listen to his voice, even as he speaks to us now? Now notice that Abraham goes with boldness. He is not a perfect man, but he is a saved man. He is not a man that has arrived, but he isn't a man that's in process on the journey. And in verse 27, it reads, and Abraham spoke up again, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, stand up. Stand up. Stand up to the adversary, not in your strength, not in your power, but in the power and the might of the Lord. Listen, you'll never fulfill your destiny. You'll never complete the race that God has for you in the way it should be completed unless you learn to take that spiritual weaponry, unless you learn to go into that place of prayer and with boldness pray. Listen to the admonition of Hebrews. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Go faults and failures and frailties with all of that go go into the throne room and begin praying with boldness martin luther the great reformer had a dear and very close friend by the name of frederick myconius frederick myconius became very ill and he was going to die so he wrote on his deathbed a note, a letter to Martin Luther. And it was a, a loving farewell to Luther. And he said that I'm soon going to die. I will not see you again. 
Immediately, Martin Luther responded with a reply. Listen to his words. I command thee in the name of God to live because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me. For this I am praying. This is my will, and my will will be done because I seek only to glorify the name of God. The words are almost shocking to us. But I believe that faith rose in Martin Luther's heart. He knew he needed Myconius, and he prayed that prayer of boldness, and Myconius was healed, raised out of his sickbed, and he outlived Martin Luther two years. Hallelujah. There's times that you have to stand boldly before God and pray for your children, and pray for your families, and pray for your loved ones. Don't give up. Continue to seek, continue to pray, continue to petition heaven. There was a perseverance in this prayer as well. Not only a boldness, but a perseverance. You see it in verses 24 to 32, where he says, if there's 50 righteous, if they're lacking five, 45, well, Lord, 40, then you could see it goes down to 30, uh, 20, he stops at 10. Some said, why did he stop at 10? Well, let me just say a couple of things about that. First of all, if I was there and I heard God speak about Sodom and Gomorrah, I would have said, Lord, I'll get the matches. (laughs) Now, don't laugh at me. You would have done the same thing, I think. (laughs) Sometimes we can become so indignant with sinners that we forget that once we were... Sometimes we could be so repulsed by the horror of their sin that we forget that God has given us this ministry of reconciliation, that we're to stand in the gap, as it were, and to pray for the lost. I see something in here as well. You remember that Lot made his household in Sodom. He moved his whole house to Sodom. And the reason that Abraham and Lot separated was because Lot's household had grown so great, and both of them had such a great increase. So he had men servants and maid servants. Now, Lot had, of course, his wife. We know he had daughters, and we know he had future son in laws. And so, you know, I think that Abraham said, Listen, there's at least six in the immediate family here. There's some maid servants, and then they moved their whole lot and barrel into Sodom. But only three left Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot, what happened to your influence? Weren't you holding church? Weren't you teaching your household the things of God? There were not even ten in his sphere of influence that were saved. Hear me on this. The closer you get to the world, the less power you have with the world. The more you become like the world, the less influence you wield over the world. Abraham chose the place of solitude with God. And yet he was the one who delivered Sodom earlier and rescued them. He had chosen the place of communion with God. And he is the one right now who is standing in the gap in prayer. 
The further we get from the world, and I don't mean that we isolate ourselves, but we should insulate ourselves. We should have such a relationship with God that we don't partake and participate with the sins of our generation. There Abraham was, and he stands as the intercessor. Now, God did answer Abraham's prayer. When God went there, there weren't ten there. And if you look at chapter 19, verse 29, it says that God remembered Abraham and he delivered what? How much does this world owe righteous, godly people? How many times have families and communities been saved because of a righteous man or a righteous woman who lives for God and has interceded God has spared a community because they were righteous people walking with God. Beloved, we are the salt of the earth, preserving it from destruction. We are the light of the world, helping people to find their way to God. Only in eternity will we see. Ian Bounds has said, the answer to prayer is part is the part that glorifies God. And God did gloriously answer his prayer. He delivered Lot. He delivered his daughters. Lot's wife, whose heart was still in Sodom, turned back to look and was destroyed. There was something else in this prayer. It wasn't only perseverance in it. It wasn't only boldness in it. He persevered. He just kept on praying, kept on pursuing. But it was marked, it was covered with humility. It really bothers me when people speak of God in flippant, light ways. Taking God's name in vain without even knowing it. They stub their toe and they say, oh God. Hebrews would have had nothing to do with that. When they translated the scriptures, before they wrote the name of God, they would take a bath. They would prepare their hearts We know that precious name. Don't take God's name in vain. Don't just say, oh, Jesus, oh, God. Unless it's in a prayer or unless it's in praise. We need to be a holy people. The closer you walk to God, the more the fear of God reigns in your life. The closer you walk with him, the more you want to reverence him. Treat his name as holy. In Genesis 18, 27, he says, And Abraham spoke up again, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. Abraham knew who he was. I tell you, the closer you walk to God, the more you will walk in humility. The person who is proud and arrogant, who struts out, like a, like a peacock is a person that knows nothing of the presence and the power of God. They're just playing the game. Because when you come into the presence of God, you know that you are nothing but dust and ashes. And you are so thankful that God would even hear your voice. And yet you have this boldness inside. It's hard to explain, but it's a spiritual truth. That's a reality in those that know the heart of God. A.W. Tozer has said, when we become too glib in prayer, 
we are most surely talking to ourselves. Don't talk about God like the big man upstairs. Please. Walk in humility. When we humbly come before God and beseech him. One of the great joys in my life is to know the people that pray for me. It's been over 30 years since I've left my home church in Brooklyn, New York. And still to this day, they have a prayer meeting. And they pray, as they knew me, as for Eddie Jones. Be with him. Bless him in his ministry. Still praying for that young man that they knew that was saved in that church at 17. I thank God for my father-in-law who prays for me and my children. He said, I pray every single day for you, and I pray for the church you pastor and the churches that you pastored. I'm thankful that those prayers follow me. I'm thankful for a mother that knew how to pray. I believe though she's gone home to be with the Lord 21 years ago, she's, her prayers, I think, still follow me. They're still in God's bottle. He hasn't forgotten those tears. She prayed me into the kingdom. She prayed faithfully that I would be saved one day. I've made it my practice to pray for my children, pray for their future spouses. And even the times I pray, Lord, if you were to grant grandchildren, you would grant them children, I pray for them. I believe that God calls us to stand, as it were, on the wall, interceding. Someone has said prayer is the battle and ministry is the spoils. We as a church cannot, in our own strength, do all that God wants us to do. We cannot achieve our destiny by our own initiative, by our own abilities. We need to pray. And one of the things that I look forward to do in the new facility is to have a prayer room where we will designate and just design that for intercessory prayer. And maybe someday God would grant it that there would be 24-7 prayer going on, depending on God. God to help us and enable us to accomplish his will. I want to close with a story in the Associated Press. Back in 1994, Cindy Hartman, who lived in Conway, Arkansas, walked into her home to answer a phone, and she was confronted by a burglar. He ripped the phone out of her hand. Her immediate response was to fall on her knees And say to this burglar, I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? I want to ask God to forgive you. The man stood still in his tracks. He yelled out to someone in the truck, Bring all the furniture back in. She's a Christian. We can't do this to this home. They brought the furniture back in. He took the bullets out of the revolver and he gave it to her and then they drove away. Prayer changes the course of our lives, the course of history. Abraham, on this journey of faith, God brought him to the place where he was to be an intercessor. Where are you in this journey? Are you in that place where you're praying? for your children, for your loved ones, for 
those who in your extended family. We need to be a praying community of believers, praying community-wise, but also praying individually. Thank you, Pastor Ed, for bringing us that great teaching from the life of Abraham. We have so much more to learn from the man who lived such an incredible life of faith, and yet still messed up sometimes, trying to make God's promises come true on his own. When we're in that space of waiting for God to come through and fulfill his promises, it's so easy to take our eyes off him and try to make things happen with our own efforts. We hope today's message encouraged you to keep your eyes fixed on God today and commit to waiting for him to do things in his timing. Doing life in community with other believers encourages us and strengthens us as we wait on Jesus. Do you have a church home? If you're in or around Poughkeepsie, New York, you're invited to join us at Faith Assembly. We'd love to be the people who come around you to encourage you in this life. We have services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. filled with biblical teaching from Pastor Ed and worshiping God together. You'll find directions and more information when you visit our website, buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on the Back to Home page tab. If you aren't in the area but would still like to listen to more of Pastor Ed's teachings, check out buildinginfaithradio.com as well. There you can find a wide variety of archived messages from Pastor Ed. We've enjoyed our time together with you today, and we hope you'll tune in next time for Building in Faith. Your word restores.